What is the digital economy? What does digital mean? Strategic Artificial intelligence. How far can the digital economy go? Welcome back to the Digital Week. I'm Oliver Bolton, design ethicist at the Chair in Digital Economy, and today we are once again talking to Kat Matson, Brisbane's Chief Digital Officer. Kat is a frequent guest of the Digital Week podcast, and it's always a pleasure to have her on. This week we are talking about one of my favourite topics, how can technology become more responsible? Kat joins myself and Professor Marika Wolkowitz, Chair in Digital Economy, for a conversation that touches upon how responsible technology will shape the future with a look at how digital technology can amplify existing human values and forms of deviance, a critique of the profit motive and its effects on the motivation to do good, as well as the lack of appropriate regulation within the digital space, and how governments are ill-equipped to promptly address issues of responsibility and accountability in legislation. This is a topic that I'm sure we will be revisiting here many times in the future, as there are a great number of concerns that need to be addressed within the digital economy when it comes to ethical accountability. However, for now, I hope you enjoy this edition of the podcast. And now here is the Digital Week. We are here with America Wolkowitz, Chair in Digital Economy, and today we have Kat Matson with us again. Kat, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Marek, you've stated that 2018 will be the year of responsible tech. What do you mean by this? Sure, we see more and more people realizing that technology can not only cause good, but can also cause the bad in this world. And uh, we're seeing emergence of, of large organizations that you know have a billion or two billion users. And we're seeing very, very explicit effects on, on what's happening in the society, right? We, we're having discussions uh, right now about the impact of, of social networks on presidential elections. We're seeing discussions uh, and academic research, academic studies showing that, that social networks or digital technologies can impact well-being of individuals in a you know in a very negative way in a way digital is an amplifier right so if you if you have you know something small that is bad and then you have a billion users guess what might happen true true how can companies in the technology sector start to become more responsible and respond to some of these issues that Mark has talked about I so hope that Merrick is right that 2018 will be the year of responsible tech because I think if the we are on a very slippery slope um, away from some of the promises of digital. I think how companies can change is question their motivations. Um, you know, I see this a lot in the startup ecosystem. If all you're designing for is greater convenience, why? You know, why? What? Instead, look for the real problems that need to be solved, the substantive problems that need to be solved, that we finally, in this day and age of digital and tech and of connectivity, that in finally this day and age we could potentially solve. But if you're really just Uberizing something else or if you're airbnb something else, my question would be, well, what value are you actually adding to humanity? And if that is all you're doing, if you're just joining the gravy train, the promise of startups and, well, they can do it, so therefore I can, it's not that there's anything wrong with chasing a profit, but I think part of being responsible tech, it's actually questioning your motivations and saying, how do I actually help 
fix a substantive problem in the world and in doing so pay my own rent. And so I have some bad news here. Um, thinking about Silicon Valley, right? And, and you know all those discussions that we had in the, the, the past few years where you know, all those startups were saying, hey, we're saving the world one, and I'm being ironic here, you know, one instant messaging app at a time, right? This is what was happening. We saw those 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 companies just, just coming up with apps the idea was, hey, you know, we're going to make a lot of money, exit, and you know, then create a new startup. What I've seen in the past few months is actually even more worrying because I, I see a lot in Silicon Valley where individuals are just dropping the ideas of their startups, of their apps, and so on. And they're going into cryptocurrencies, right? You know, let's release a new coin. You know, a next ICO, and so on. Let's make money on this. This is just making it so explicit. That it's all about all about money there. Now this worries me a lot because there's a lot, a lot of very, very, very smart people there, and I feel like we're wasting the talent. You know, the next mm -hmm. bloody Bitcoin. I couldn't agree more, and I think one of the real issues that we've currently got in the what I'm going to call the startup narrative that has that has reached almost boiling point and. In the, and everybody wants a piece of this supposed massive financial pie, there is this notion of, well, I want a piece of that too, and if I don't get on it now, whether it's cryptocurrency or whether it's whatever else tomorrow's new thing's going to be, if I don't get onto it now, then I'm going to miss out. And interestingly enough, digital, actually, digital has very much promoted that FOMO, that fear of missing out, you know, that the information is at our fingertips. Every single time you open up another feed, you know, whether it's conscious or just because you got a notification, you are seeing somebody else who is supposedly more successful, happier, richer, getting more sleep, getting less sleep because they can survive on it, whatever it is. And so this whole notion of, well, if I'm not like them, I'm not good enough. So we have to fundamentally change the the I want to say the leadership, but it's not even that. We have to fundamentally change our success measures for what it means to be human in 2018. Mm. Either am I successful as a human being because I've made more money, because I've exited, because I've got a collection of Bitcoin, or is it because I've actually navigated that and I've chosen my own path and I'm spending time with quality people and I'm looking after my family and I'm substantively enjoying my life yeah. um, and I'm enjoying the pursuits that I carry on using you know, the beautiful wonders that digital has brought us, you know, conducting global businesses or connecting with peers around the world, but to do good. And I don't mean do good in terms of feed the children and save the world. I just mean do good, solve the solve real stuff. Mm. True. Uh, I think that from a design ethics perspective, transparency is, is, is really critical for ethical accountability in the technology sector. What do you see as the improvements that need to be made in this space? In terms of transparency, that, uh, that, that reminds me of uh, my economics lectures from the times when I was a, a student that was you know, late last century uh, or so, uh, a long time ago. Uh, you know, what, what we were told, and it was, this was the time when, uh, when the internet was becoming popular, right? And it was, you know, not 1960s where no one knew that it would actually uh, make sense. It was sort of right before the uh, you know the, the dot com boom and then you know and then the crash. But, you know the internet was uh, was part of the conversations and the economics 101. We 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 kept hearing that you know we live in a world of imperfect information. Right, that uh, people who participate in the economy don't know enough about about the decisions they're making, and that leads to all sorts of perverse. 
uh, or deviant situation in the in the marketplace, and the internet was supposed to fix it. Right? Suddenly, we would have access to all of the information that we that we need. The sort of per perfect access to information. We would make the best decisions, and that's where it was actually going. Right? That's where where it was going. And maybe that's you know we owe this clarification to the listeners as well because they might be listening to us and thinking. What are those people talking about, right? Aren't they supposed to be excited about digital? I think we are. We're extremely excited about digital. We're just seeing some, you know, challenges that uh, that, that are appearing at the moment. So um, yes, that transparency was supposed to happen, but no, for some reason it's not happening, and in some cases it's even worse than it was in the late last century. Mm. Kat, what are you seeing about transparency in the technology sector? Marek is right. We, we were promised the democratisation of everything. We were certainly promised more transparency. We were promised more access to information. But the problem is that the internet is now such a vast place that is actually just a reflection of human behaviour. And so digital, and Marek said it before, digital is an, is an amplifier. It literally has amplified the good and the not-so-good characteristics of humanity. I mean, we're seeing some interesting stuff now become common knowledge around the US elections. But I still don't believe that people comprehend just how easily the news feeds and the propaganda machine, how just how easily and insidiously that was manipulated. The Digital Week is brought to you by the Chair in Digital Economy. The CDE would like to thank its partners, PwC, QUT, Brisbane Marketing and the Queensland Government. The Chair in Digital Economy. Navigating the future. So on transparency, I think one, it's an education piece. Um, in the old days when we read the newspapers or when we watched TV news, you had a sense of where that broadcaster's or where that publisher's biases lay. And so you would read or you would listen knowing that that was the bias. For whatever reason, we're not so conscious of that anymore. And certainly digital natives have no concept of that kind of bias. They have no concept of getting multiple sources um, of information. They just get their source of information through their screen. So I think it's an education piece that's really important. I also think leadership has a lot to, um, there's a lot of accountability in a leadership perspective here. And I don't just mean political leadership, I mean organisational leadership, I, I mean in conversations like these where it's just raising awareness. I also think it's around stopping and questioning what is the future that we're currently creating and are we happy with that future that we're currently contributing to. And if we're not happy with it, even at an individual level, it's pausing, it's taking hiatuses from Facebook and actually going and finding information from other sources. Um, it's not contributing to the echo chamber conversations where people yell at each other from opposite sides of the fence. Um, so, yeah, I think transparency is a really interesting one, but it does require personal responsibility rather than anybody doing something. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of personal effort involved in verifying sources online. And I've spent the last year offline, off of uh, Facebook, after seeing some convincing research uh, from academic sources that it increase, uh, or that spending more time on social media decreases your happiness. And I can definitely say that over the past year, I've, I've certainly felt happier 
Uh, Marek, is there anything else in this space that you're seeing that concerns you? Interesting you mention it. So I went off uh, uh, Facebook for a few weeks uh, a couple of months ago, and I, I found it very uh, worrying that I actually started receiving emails from Facebook. Uh, sure, yeah, saying like, yes. hey, click on this link because there's a message from a friend of yours and so on. Uh, just because I know how those mechanisms work, and just because I know that they have experts on you know, behavioral influencing on, on individuals, I knew that they basically wanted me to go back on Facebook to just you know log on and, and have a look at a few ads, right? Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think people who don't know it, uh, you know, are basically trapped, right? It, it's it's actually really hard to give up on, on Facebook. It's like probably smoking is easier to, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to give up on these days. So uh, point one, uh, the, the concept of digital intelligence, this is something that, you know, we talked about in one of the other podcasts, but I, th- I think we, we need to focus more, and Kat mentioned it just, uh, just then, on making sure we all understand what are the implications of our actions. From the academic perspective, uh, there's... There are studies that clearly show that spending time on social networks contributes to um, um, suicidal behavior and, and depression. And the question that I'm asking is if social networks are supposedly unhealthy, shouldn't we be limiting access to them? We're not allowing our kids to uh, smoke. We're not allowing our kids to drink. There are, there's legislation that prevents our kids from buying alcohol cigarettes yet they can freely access social networking tools and yes i know there are limits on the age but you just provide a different date of birth right and you can use it mm, yeah definitely i think in the in this space around uh design and technology ethics there are a few questions about the approaches that can be taken to to affect change uh within this space there's a, there are views that say that uh, designers can be educated and can be worked with to create things that are more inherently ethical. And then there's also this view that design uh, in its responsibilities to its industrial partners also it doesn't have the freedom to act as ethically as it, as it wants to intend to and therefore requires forms of act like regulation. Um, these conversations often get labelled as technophobic at times. So how do you balance constructive criticism of technology with optimism about its potential benefits? For me, it's around questioning the implications of the path that we're currently going down. I actually wholeheartedly agree with Merrick's proposition. You know, if, if social networks or extended periods of time online are proving to be bad for us, when do we start looking at the regulation? Um, whether it's restricted access or whether it's just a greater understanding of the implications. You know, there's been some pretty... Sugar, for example, isn't banned, but we understand its implications, and so we're, we're educated about those impacts. I also think that there's some interesting conversations to be had around um, where these platforms have become such a significant utility for us. You know, there are certain things now that I can't do without going back into Facebook because that's where that group is or that's where that information is. But if it's now a global utility, when will it be regulated like other utilities, whether it's our water, whether it's our electricity, whether it's our telecommunications? Now, these are really big, chunky challenges, and I couldn't agree more around how do you balance the optimism because here I am as the Chief Digital Officer of the City going, digital is great. 
Digital is an enabler and it should be enabling us to do the things that we want to do as human beings. It also, though, needs to therefore be managed in terms of how do we make sure that it is for the greater good of society, not to the detriment, just like any other thing, cigarettes, alcohol, sugar, um, road rules. Um, I think... I think with 2018 being the year of responsible tech, maybe 2018 is also the year for responsible policy where we actually start sitting back and saying what is it that we're actually consciously creating here and are we happy with it? Mm. Mary, how about from an academic perspective? There's probably a bit more leniency in, in that space to be constructive, mm. but I'm sure you must uh, come into contact with the same sort of criticisms. Yeah, sure. So just to clarify, you know, I, I don't really look into, say, political sciences and, and, and trying to uh, understand the legislative uh, uh, work in this space, so I cannot really comment on this part. But, you know, one thing that is, that is very, very clear, uh, um, also from the academic point of view, is uh, that just like in the real world, there are parts of the world, digital, real, that will be owned by pri and operated by private corporations. But there's clear need to provide parts of the world that are accessible to everyone, right? We need roads yeah. to get from point A to B. And this is where there's a role for a regulator or whatever the body would be to make sure that this is actually happening. If I can pick up Marek's point, for me, this digital conversation is really important when we come to civic access. Um, you know, we talk about mobility as a service, for example, mm. and, you know, a one payment system, a one app that rules all mobility or transport services in a city. That's all good for somebody like me who's very okay with an app and is okay to hand over a credit card details to some magical or powerful server. But what happens to the people who choose not to be that connected? Do they no longer get to move around their own city? Are they disenfranchised? Are they further removed? Um, and transport's just one example, whether that's information, whether that's the, the political debate, whether it's news. If you increasingly, we're beginning to see that if you opt out of digital, then you're starting to opt out of certain social interactions. And that, again, is another worrying trend that I hope that in the year of responsible tech we can start to address. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. Well, there's certainly lots to talk about here, and I'm sure this conversation will be ongoing. But that'll about do it for this week. Kat, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Marek. Thanks for being here as well. Thank you. That's it for this week on the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Chair Digiconomy and visit our website at chairdigitaleconomy.com.au. I'm Oliver Bolton. See you next time.